How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. to see also i'm Brody lancaster and i am kate jinks feels like every time we uh start this podcast bill we're like hey it's nice to see you again because we've <laughs> been taking a few weeks off more than normal but uh i know last week was a surprise um break but you needed it you're a sicky poo yeah i uh I, I really um i'm grateful to you bill for letting me just have a sick week which is like not- Imagine if I didn't. <laughs> That's like something I can't do with like any of my other work. So yeah. it's like the pod has to be the thing. But um, yeah, yeah, I've just been in Sniffletown for like two full weeks now. Mm. Um, I still mm. don't sound great, but I sound a lot better than I did about five days ago. I sounded like the like ancient witch from the original Suspiria. That's exactly what I sounded like. <laughs> Elena Marcos. Yeah. <laughs> Specifically, not Dakota. Not Dakota. No, I uh, not the Tilda version. I um no the 1977. Yeah, <laughs> we're zooming together today. We we can't be in the same room for a little while longer. Yeah, I mean, it's it's sad. Soon I'll get to see Carol again. We potted together in the same room when I literally had COVID and didn't know. I it. know, and I don't even have COVID, but um, I just don't want this thing going around. Yeah. Have you been, Bill? I've been good. I've been good. I finished my, I finished up at my job um, just after, around the time our last episode came out, I think I'm losing track of my dates because we, we record a few days before our episodes come out just to take people behind the curtain. <laughs> um, but yeah, I wrapped up at my, at my full-time job and kind of dove straight into freelance life once again. And like, I got a few, I got a few emails asking me to do stuff that like really reaffirmed that I had made the right decision. That's great. Yeah. It really felt like the universe was like, bitch, you know, you're doing the right thing. Cause like the day that I resigned, the day I gave my notice, I got asked, um, offered time to interview a member of One Direction, which 10 years ago, I said my goal was to interview One Direction before I turned 25. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. It never happened. And they broke up that year. So 
It's a big deal. It's that, a big deal. Yeah, I got Niall. I've, you know, one out of five ticked off the list. (laughs) Although it's really one out of four because I have no interest in talking to Liam Payne. Yeah, I interviewed Niall Horn for The Age. And the day that I finished at my job, I got asked to do something that I did yesterday, which was interview Eva Longoria. (laughs) So great. So good. How was she? She was a fucking pro, like no surprises there. Um, She's got that flaming Hot Cheetos movie, right? That's what we were talking about, baby. Yeah, her movie, her directorial debut. She's been directing TV, but it's her debut feature, Flamin' Hot. Uh, and it's about the guy who um, hustled his way to the top of, like, Hispanic marketing and, like, claims to have invented the Flamin' Hot Cheeto. And Jesse Garcia, who plays the the real-life uh, Richard Montañez, who, who did that, um, was also part of the Q&A that I did at Cinema Nova yesterday. So that was really fun and like a really funny, silly thing. To, you know, people were like, hey, see you at Community Cup. And I was like, I'm actually interviewing Eva Longoria. So no, <laughs> you won't see me at Community Cup this year, but I do love football and community radio. Thank that you. That is great. We've had like this kind of rise of like rags to riches, like against all odds capitalism films, right? Yes, I I saw someone because I was looking up reviews of this film. It's out on Disney Plus and like it's a streaming film, but they did this cinema session, I think, to just like promote it. Um, I think it premiered at like Sundance, I'm sure, or South by Southwest or something. Maybe South by because they were very much like, you know, having like a kind of Hispanic audience was really important to them. They just fucking screened it at the White House the other night and (laughs) – the White House was lit up in like the colors of the poster behind you, like orange and red. And Eva Longoria posted a photo of like the official White House stamped napkin with like Cheeto fingerprints on it, <laughs> which was really funny. Anyway, yeah, I looked up a review of it while I was preparing for the Q&A and someone had to, a reviewer had described this this spate of like, remember this thing? Here's how it came to be movies as like the B-U-Y-O-Pick. So like, mm, you know, mm-hmm. the Blackberry, Air, Air, Air. Uh, Flamin' Hot, um, and like the Tetris movie that I just oh, kind gosh, of I came and went that. and I never thought about. We um, work like all of those as well, right? I yeah. mean, you can kind of count that. When's When are we going to do the Girl Boss era? When's like the Wing film? When is the Glossier film coming? Well, Jinxie, it's funny you mention that because – the book that I'm reading at the moment, I'm just starting Marissa Meltz's new book, Glossy, oh. which is all about Glossier and Emily Weiss. Oh, um, so good. It, yeah, it feels very like, you know, we have we've we've got the stories of the products, and then we've got the kind of startup, crap, boom, crash movies. You know, like uh, the dropout and. I don't know, like I feel like Caroline Calloway's book coming out and there's a documentary probably in the works about her. Like all these things are connected weirdly somehow. And I just found out last week that there was this documentary that came out on Netflix last year. I put it in my notes under the heading, There's Too Much Stuff, because I was thinking about how much I enjoyed um, the kind of documentaries that Erin Lee Carr was making. And I was like, I wonder what she's up to now. And I went on her Instagram and she had posted about these like two sexual wellness startup practitioners who had just been like charged with federal crimes. And she was like, they mention our documentary in this article about them. And I was like, what documentary? And she and Lena Dunham executive produced this film called Orgasm Inc. last year for Netflix. And I started watching it and it was too... It was too fucked up for me to finish. Oh, come on now. Where's your Okay. Spirit? Where's your spirit? Yeah. All right. I just finished watching The Idol. I'll go back and watch <laughs> Orgasm Inc. It's about this like early 2000s. So like pre-smartphone, 2001, 2002-ish. Um, these women who had this startup called One Taste. And oh. it's, it's one of those like. That makes me fr- feel bad. Truly, and their whole thing is making you feel good. <laughs> like they they started a business and got like corporate funding and all this press, and like Gwyneth was like a you know talked about them on Goop and all of this stuff because it was kind of like uh, learn how to make a woman orgasm and you'll like change the world 
is the vibe. Okay. But watching it, it was giving me flashbacks to, I talked about on the podcast, the, the documentary about Teal Swan last year, who kind of, bra- I'm not going to say brainwashed people, but she kind of pushed people to the point of like, no, go deeper, go deeper. I don't believe you until they kind of started having like false memories. Mm. And so like this orgasm woman is like, is saying like, what are you afraid of? And someone, or like, what do you really want? And this woman says like, I want to be a mother. And she's like, no, but what do you really want? And she's like, no, that's what I want. I want a child. And it gets to the point where she's just like, okay, I want to like be made to come in front of an audience. Like, (gasps) It's kind of like she pushes people until they say the thing that she wants them to say. Wow, this sounds like an SVU episode waiting to happen. This is a crossover of both our interests. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so um, there is too much stuff. I haven't finished Orgasm Inc., <laughs> but I kind of, spoiler alert, she's been charged with, like, crimes. So, um, yeah, I guess I'll go back and finish that <laughs> documentary about the girl bosses going under. Speaking of um, documentaries that we didn't know existed, uh, my girlfriend the other day was watching this doc on Amazon Prime about this cult in Australia called Kenja. I had not heard of them. Me neither. Um, I think we need to watch this. She enjoyed it. Um, but it was it's it was started by two people, a couple, Ken and Jane. oh my god it's giving chrishell named after chris who delivered her at a shell service station (laughs) so you've been out doing fun things while i've been rugged up inside you've been going to rising things here in melbourne i've been doing rising things here and there yeah we um we've got an extra week of comings and goings to catch up on the comings is orgasm inc but the goings is me um the goings were you leaving your last job actually yeah yeah um i like both have missed and gotten to see a bunch of stuff at rising i feel like at the start of a festival you go oh it's 12 days i'm gonna catch everything eventually and then like a week and a half later you're like oh fuck Mm -hmm. (laughs) i have run out of time and also energy and warm outfits i'm really struggling with my fashions this winter anyway that's a story for another time um but yeah the first rising thing i went to was um the hear my eyes screening which is like hear my eyes is a melbourne um organization have they done stuff at MIF? many times yeah 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 and so they pair up a film with a like local artist who comes up with a live score and performs the live score during the film. So they did uh, the Safety Brothers' Good Time, which I had never seen before. Oh, it's so good, isn't it? So this was my first viewing. Stressful time. Very stressful time. Mm-hmm. I uh, I knew going in that, you know, it was going to be like anxiety-inducing and stressful and da-da-da, but I still was doing my – trademark BL like oh no oh no (laughs) like do the every decision Robert Pattinson made Mm. um oh no Robert so they played the film and then it was soundtracked by the incredible Melbourne band Big Yawn and Teether who's a um vocalist and producer but who was on vocals for this and it was truly so incredible like the score and the songs that they came up with um that I'm like when is this being pressed onto vinyl? When can I buy this and listen to it again? It was really, really incredible. Oh, wow. Cool. Yeah. And on the way out, I was uh, pointing out, because uh, the audience of that show, I've got to be honest, full of extremely, to use, to quote Love Island, my type on paper men. Um, <laughs> and as I was leaving the building with my friend Georgia, I was like, Georgia, just look back at that guy because I have a story to tell you when we like leave this you know, his earshot and I was getting just like visuals on someone. And then a very sweet listener of the pod came up in that moment um, uh, and said, hi. And then I got a DM from another listener while I was sitting outside drinking like a very silly cocktail um, saying that she'd seen me there and wanted to share how much she enjoyed the podcast. So Jinxie, you were there in spirit. I love that. But tell me about the silly cocktail. Oh, it was, what was it called? Are you talking like fruity or are you talking like a Toblerone with some gold oil in it? 
Yeah, it had a hot dog sticking out of it. <laughs> um, those bacon skewers. Uh, Ew. No, it was at, you know how the place, you know the place next to the recital centre, I think the only other time I've been there has been with you mm-hmm. um, after the Harvey Sutherland album oh, launched yeah, yeah. last year. Blondie, I think it's called, yep. that bar. That's it. And um, I got the Blondie Sour, which is pink and has a flower on top. Beautiful. And it's in... It's not like a regular coupe glass. It's like a very it's a heavy cool coupe glass. I'm it's sorry. not. It's a very heavy coupe glass. It's like weighty in your hand. Um, so yeah, it was one of it was one of those like pink with like a layer of uh, sour foam on top. Yeah, is it like when I don't because sometimes you feel like you know you don't just want the reg. So you order something that sounds fun off the menu, but when it comes to the table, you're like, oh, shit. Like, yeah. now I have to drink this in public. My friend had sent, she'd bought us a drink before the film, and so I bought these ones, and I ordered really in a tizzy, and she was like, I'll have anything. I'll have whatever you're having. And when they came to the table, I apologised to her. I was like, I'm, I'm really sorry. I just... I panicked up there. I didn't know what I was thinking. Yeah, so that was the first weekend of Rising, the Friday night, and then Saturday night was uh, my queen, Ethel Kane, uh, Mimo, Mother, etc., mm-hmm. um, <laughs> playing at the Forum. I didn't go on night one because I was at Hear My Eyes, and I had deep regrets because after the Saturday night show, like I found myself two or three days later just sitting in my house being like, I'm not going to see her again. Like, I need to see her show again. Wow. It it was so special. It was so bare, like really stripped back. It was in the theater above the forum. Mm-hmm. No supports, just her, her guitarist and her drummer. And it was truly like one of the most incredible things I've ever experienced. Oh, rub it in, why don't you? Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. And, you know, a big, big hearty shout outs to Emily, our dear friend who promoted the tour and has um, was responsible for bringing me more to Australia. <laughs> and I got to say hi to her afterwards. I profiled her for the age a couple of months earlier and just ended up talking about what else Vanderpump rules with <laughs> her guitarist and her manager and her. And <laughs> it was a real meeting of the minds, I've got to be honest. I'm sure it was. That yeah. sounds great. We yeah. both missed Wise Blood, though. We did, yeah. I Things start too late. I, I, I can't I can't be keep saying this because it makes me sound uncool and boring, but I can't be going to things that start at 10 p.m. on a Wednesday night. I'm sorry, I can't. Yeah, no, I was, it, I was out. Um, you yeah, were sick already, it, right? Couldn't do it, yeah. And it took a lot for me to not head out the door for that show because I've loved all of her tours. Um, but, yeah, couldn't be done. Yeah, I remember putting my head on my pillow at 9.45 <laughs> and realising that she still wouldn't have been on <laughs> on stage and I was flossed and brushed and in bed. While you were having so much fun at Rising, watching all of the great shows and seeing Mother, um, I I went to the hospital, BL, as you know. Yeah. I don't usually talk about this stuff on the pod. We don't normally kind of go into this topic, but I kind of felt like I'd mentioned it to a couple of friends after and then realized that they had gone through the same thing. Mm. But it's one of those things that no one really talks about. Um, Yeah. I've had fibroids for a long time. I have menorrhagia. I have like the worst periods on earth. And I find I've had like many, many tests, many like a, a lot, um, a lot of doctor's appointments over the last, I don't know, 10 years or something. But um, mm. I finally got, I was on part, the path to getting a hysterectomy to deal with it because it was so bad um, and it just sort of rules my whole life mm. and was talked into the first step instead of going the whole hog, um, getting um, this fibroid surgery essentially so they can't get all of them but they could get a couple of them or like one large one essentially yeah um and I got a marina IUD like while you're down there um (laughs) which is always weird to be like a gay woman who doesn't want children to be getting like contraception it's like you had feels fucking rude I was put (laughs) on Yasmin and then I was put on Yaz and then I was like what is my what is my life 
Yes, so I finally got this done and it was just day surgery, so I was out. But, man, it really, general anaesthetic, I'd forgotten. It's been a long time. It really takes it out of you. Like I was, uh, in the words of this incredible woman on a girl's trip in the Singapore Qantas lounge um, (laughs) a couple of months ago when she spilt hummus on her sweater, brand new sweater that like just to wear on the trip. And she said, oh, I feel dopey as. (laughs) I I wrote it down. It was so good. My favorite, my favorite people. Um, Oh my God. I feel dopey as. (laughs) Um, So cute. Uh, Anyway, I felt dopey as. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. But my brain finally came back. Yeah, look, menorrhagia is like, it's such a fucked up thing. It's so awful. Um, And fibroids are gross. And I know that I I haven't talked about it and I don't talk about it that much until I had the surgery, basically, because I feel so guilty talking about it because it's not endo. And I know a lot of people who have endo and have had surgery and like, surgery to have children and you know like all these Mm -hmm. really difficult things and Mm -hmm. have friends going through IVF or who've stopped using IVF or are going through cancer treatments or whatever so I feel like bad periods like just fucking deal with it but actually it's really had such a massive control over my life for so long of course like all of this stuff is like I'm sure those people would also say to you like it's still bad it's all relative that like if you're in pain and like your life is being obstructed by something going on inside your body and you need to find answers medically, figure out surgery, all of that stuff. Like it's not like you're having a smooth ride of it just because it's not as hard as other people's. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I just sort of wanted to bring it up on the podcast just in case anyone else is going through it and like also my DMs are open if you want to talk about it or talk about different, um, like I was on transexamic acid for a long time. It sounds cool. It's not, but um, <laughs> it's not the good kind. Um, yeah. But yeah, look, if if anyone wants to get in touch to talk about it, I'm here. But yeah, anyway, that's what's going on with me, BL. This has been yeah. Kate's medical corner. It's good to recap on the pod we've learned because sometimes we don't tell people in our inner circles things and then... They know because they listen. I get texts from my friends being like, I haven't caught up with you in ages, but I feel like I know everything that's going on with work and this and that. Yeah. I know a friend of mine messaged me saying that um, her husband, who's also a friend, had said to her, oh, I just listened to the pod. I felt like I talked to Jinx for an hour. And I was like (laughs) that he had to like listen to me talk at him for an hour more like But anyway. (laughs) Also just like mental note to our friends, we do still want to catch up and talk about you. Uh Absolutely. Um, One funny thing though, when I went into the hospital to get it done, just as the mask was going on my face to like fully knock me out and what a delightful feeling that is, they were playing pop music in the theatre and they just listened to Fireworks by Katy Perry and then Call Me Maybe came on and the anaesthetist was like singing Carly Rae Jepsen at me as I was knocked out. Perfect. Perfection. Five stars. No better way to go. (laughs) I've had more time than usual on my hands in the last couple of weeks to watch some TV, but... It's becoming distressing that the writers, as selfishly, the writers' strikes as they continue, it's like, oh, God, we're just going to be left. We're going to be left, but also is this our opportunity to catch up? Because there truly is, I mean, I said it before, Orgasm Inc., etc. There's too much TV. The other day I was scrolling, I think, on Binge, um, which is our version of, I guess, Max now, Um And I was like, where did all this shit come from? Never even heard of half of it. Um, So we finally have a little chance to to come back. What have you been watching these last couple of weeks? Well, still loving Deadlock, which I'm so happy is only released once a week because I can't binge it. So that's great for me. But I want to know what happens so badly. Hmm. Um, I became obsessed, though, with Alone Australia. I finally watched it. Um, I know a lot of people have talked about it for some time now, but my God, it was fantastic. We, like, ripped through that show. It's on SBS. It's the Australian version of... I guess it started in the States, I don't know, uh, where 
a number of people, 10, let's say, uh, survivalists go uh, deposited in different spots that are pretty much the same but separated and don't know where everyone is and they can take 10 items with them and they have to survive in the wilderness with absolutely no help. They have to find their own food, water, make their own shelter, stay warm, etc. And there is no time limit. So nobody knows how long they're going to be out there. Uh, Nobody knows like, like how many people are left. So once it gets down to the final two, they have no idea how many people are left. So they're just like, well, I'll just keep on trying to live out here. People listening can't hear, can't see the expression on my face is like, they what? <laughs> yeah, you, you do look um, into it. Distressed. Yeah, not, it's not not silence for um, horror factor. Um, yeah. It's, so the lone Australian one I think is probably particularly good because it's in a pretty hostile environment in Tasmania in the middle of winter. Whoa. Mm-hmm. And it's so interesting because the casting of it is so great. And there is like a mix of like different kinds of people. They're all kind of survivalists or they work in like survival education or there's like a hunter on it, etc. Um, but there are like a number of the contestants are First Nations as well. And so their experience with the land is very different from mm. the like white people, white survivalists who are like there to, you know, kind of battle with nature. Live out a little fantasy as well of being like you know, a man on the land. Yeah, it's really fascinating. Um, I just could not look away from it. Would I love? I think you would love. I think it sounds like the kind of thing that you'd be like, nah, not into it. And then by the end of the first episode, you couldn't look away. But it had a very unsatisfying reunion episode hosted by Amanda Keller. They really needed Andy Cohen. Well, everyone does. There's another show that I haven't watched that's like, how long can you go um and I'm planning to watch it even though it's over now it's called the summit and I only knew about it I only paid attention to like it coming out and barely because I didn't watch it because a friend's brother is on it and she was like he he can't tell us if it's if he won or what but I think he did pretty well because he's featured really prominently in the trailer and then she dropped the morsel that her brother, who was on the show The Summit, who is like a vegan chef on Instagram and is like a handsome guy, played Jamae's boyfriend in Summer Heights High. <laughs> what? When when Chris Lilly went and, you know, Jamae had like a little young boyfriend from like year seven or something and he was really short and she was like, I'll talk to you on MSN tonight. That was... The guy who's on the summit. Oh my gosh! Wow. So I just want I just want like Australian viewers to like be able to watch both and <laughs> make that connection. That's so good. Yeah. Uh, what else have you been watching? Also hooked on Deadlock. I DM'd one of the other Kates to say like I I need to know what happens. I actually after the most recent episode, I'm really fanging for the ending. On your recommendation, I watched She Said, which is on, I think, Binge and Netflix that came out recently, and I fucking loved it. It's so good, right? It's such a good film. It's so much better than it needed to be. (laughs) Totally, absolutely. (laughs) And that I thought it would be, you know, even just the bits of, like, Ronan Farrow's working on a story too, and they're like, no. (laughs) I know, it's really well done. The voice acting is really great. Like, the people they got to do, like, Harvey's voice and Gwyneth's voice and why am I using first name only for Harvey Weinstein? Um, but at the start when it was Donald Trump who called one of the reporters, I was like, I recognize that Trump impression. And it was James Austin Johnson who's been doing Trump on SNL for the last few years. So this was well before he was cast on SNL. Oh, how interesting. I didn't realize. I listened to him on a, a podcast years ago where he pre- he was doing his Trump impression. It's the podcast. It's called Podcast But Outside, and it's these two comedians just set up a table out in the world, and whoever stops by to talk to them is on their podcast. But they have their friends come by every now and then. And so he came by and they made out as if Donald Trump just stopped by to be on their podcast. And it was so fucking funny but also so convincing. I couldn't believe it wasn't him. So, yeah, then he got cast on SNL and, you know, is now very famous for this excellent Trump impression. 
I'm still watching the other two every week, but I think I'm at the point where I'm, I hate to say it. I think I'm hate watching it. I think the the jokes and the characters are kind of really one note this season. Like the things that Brooke was worried about in episode one are still the things she's fixated on in episode like seven or eight we're up to now. Same with Carrie, same with, I mean, Molly Shannon's always just when she's on screen, the good things are happening. Same mm-hmm. with Ken Marino. But yeah, I'm I'm not the only upside to this season of the other two and anyone who's keeping up will um will get this connection. But um it did inspire me to rewatch Pleasantville on Friday night, which was they did a kind of like Pleasantville take in an early episode this season. Mm, interesting. I'm still like halfway through season two. I really liked season two. I loved season one and I think I'm just enjoying it less and less as the seasons go on. Oh, what a shame. I hate when that happens. Yeah, it's like anti-funny at this mm. point, which is tough to say. Mm. The Idol, I like it so much more than I thought I would, Jinxie. Yeah, I need to see it. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, episode three is out this week. It comes out on Mondays in like the succession time slot in Australia. The funny thing, the, watching episode three, it was like, damn, Sam Levinson can't let anyone like inter there's no subtext in anything he makes he can't leave anything up to the viewer's imagination everything needs to be explicitly articulated on screen like characters can't say no we're not worried about anything and then kind of give each other a look that tells you oh they actually are really worried they have to walk away and sit in their car and close the door and look at each other and say I think we're in trouble here like he he's as subtle as a fucking sledgehammer but i'm invested i <laughs> the cast is really great i'm i don't buy Troy Savan's american accent but it's fine rachel sennett is amazing they're kind of i mean it's not it's not subtle at all but the the weekend as cult leader um in la with a kind of musical undertone is um it's so mansony like it's so explicitly mansony um, that they even have cast like a, a squeaky from proxy oh. in this kind of like mousy blonde girl who's like watching people fuck and like lingering around and being kind of unsettling in her like excitement over really dark shit happening. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lily Rose Depp is great. She's getting those little titties out every chance she gets. Um, her butt is like the key feature of every outfit she wears. I'm... I'm kind of into it, but um, but there was a really great article that um, Hazel Sills wrote in NPR that was all about like the title is like why can't Hollywood get pop stardom right, and it's really interesting. And she she talks about the the kind of meme concept of like the main pop girl, um, and she says like um, the main pop girl is it's not like a status thing because like a you know, an Ethel Kane or like a whoever kind of like indie leaning pop artist can be a main pop girl to some audiences just as much as like a Dua Lipa or Taylor Swift or whatever can be to their fans. But she says like it's it's serving fan it's fantasy that it's that is aware that it's serving fantasy. It's Bush era raunch and music is just one part of the celebrity. It's also like the relationships, the press, the breakdowns, the traumas of an artist. Um, which I found really interesting and really like maybe a bit more clued into the landscape that this show is satirizing than maybe, I don't know, The Weeknd and Sam Levinson are. (laughs) Yeah, look, I got to see it. I've got to see that. I've got to watch that lesbian reality show that everyone's still talking about, Ultimatum or whatever it's called. I need to see that. Um, I did finally watch season two of Work in Progress. I don't know if you watched it. I can't remember if we've talked about it, but I loved season one. Um, stars Abby McEnany as Abby. Um, she's like 45. She's this, she is a self-identified fat queer dyke who has depression and she's going through like suicidal ideations in the first season and she gets into a relationship with this trans mask um character who it's like all based very much on her own life and then she does something really terrible at the end of season one and then this whole season season two is really about her 
struggling with this thing she did. Like, it's just something she just can't get over. And I think I'd put off watching this season partly because it's set during COVID. Yeah, I was going to ask if it's been out for a while because I feel like I started season one during a lockdown and never finished it. Yeah, so season one came out during lockdowns here. Uh, and then this one is sort of, it takes in like all the Black Lives Matter protests and COVID, etc. But actually does it really well, uh, I think. Um, it's really interesting. Mm. Watching this season, you can kind of go, I know why this isn't getting a season three. Like it's so niche, I guess. But mm. uh, yeah, I found it um, great. I think you would particularly be interested in it, BL, because Julia Sweeney is in it. Love her. Love our gal. Pat. Because Abby has this whole issue with Pat in season one and kind of confronts Julia about it. And then so Julia is struggling with what this, what she thought was a beloved character that she does, but actually how it was like hurting different people. Mm. And her husband in it is Weird Al Yankovic. And oh. he plays normal Al in it. It's it's really good. <laughs> it's really, really good. It's on Stan. Yeah. Okay, great wreck. Wait, did you watch the Weird Al movie? Should we watch it? Uh, the Daniel Radcliffe one. I've heard it's good, but I haven't seen it. It's been yeah. on like, every plane that I've been on recently, <laughs> but I should I should watch it. I also finished The Good Fight, finally, a show that I really love and just sort of didn't want to finish. And... I think I didn't want to let that Christine Baranski character go because I love her so much in it. But, oh, it's so good. It's so smart and saying so much about the political state of the world and particularly America and the cyclical nature of politics. And ah, it's just it's so good, BL. Do you watch it? No, is that my next show? You've told me before that I need to watch it, so maybe now I need to finally listen to you. And you do not need to watch The Good Wife. This is one of those like rare occasions where you go straight to the spin-off. Okay. You do not need you don't need the original source matter. Great. Okay, great. Perfect. Thank you for freeing me. <laughs> <laughs> if I can clear your diary even just like a half hour, I will. I will. I had two people in the last week be like, Do I need to be watching Daisy Jones and the nope. Six? And I was like, No, <laughs> no none of us do. do. <laughs> don't think you do. <laughs> The Bear is back with season two next weekend, but I found out today it's another month before it's out in Australia. I'd literally <gasps> blocked out my Saturday night to watch it. I'm I'm very cool. Oh, that I'm quite horrified by that because that just, I mean, don't they get? People are just going to be put on their little pirate hats. Yes. Like, people are going to see They're going to walk right? the fucking plank, yeah. You would have <laughs> thought they'd have learned from last year when it was like the most talked about show everywhere in the world and Australians are like wonder when we'll get it legally um we are getting in just like that this week though is that this week Ooh. yeah girl and coming up these dates are all marked in my diary <laughs> I should put them in our shared podcast diary but and just like that is this week I think Friday oh. it's out in Australia the Sonia and Luann spin-off about like crappy lake um, is out in a few weeks, as is New Roni oh, with Jenna Lyons. This is music to my ears. Keep striking, writers. We've got stuff to watch. Don't worry about us. <laughs> we yeah. support you. Don't fucking Don't cross the picket scab. line. We'll We're be fine. fine. <laughs> We're fine. There's another show that I really want to watch, as, along with my, like, lesbian reality show. It's called I'm a Virgo. I had never heard of it until this morning, but it's by Boots Riley who made the Sorry to Bother You, which I've really enjoyed a few years back. Yeah, okay. It's about a 13-foot man. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's all I know about it. Uh, I'd like to see it. Yeah, wow. Okay, Um, I guess tentatively on my list as well. I have to watch Dave season three or two. Anyway, I really like Dave but missed this new season. Um, and Slip, Zoe Lister-Jones' show, which I think is on Binge. I heard her doing an interview about it and was just very interested because I love her and she fucking slayed as Bo's mom <laughs> in Bo's Afraid. She was really good. I really liked this film she made. The premiere at Sundance maybe two years ago um, was about the like end of the world and it was such a nice film. Um, it didn't go anywhere, but mm. I don't know if it's even streaming. If it is, mm. watch this space. But okay, yeah. 
I want to see it. Oh, this is kind of a note to self and also note to listeners in Melbourne. Re a recent episode of the pod. Cinema Nova is doing a screening of this sounds like an ad for Cinema Nova. It's not. I just saw it today. They're doing a screening of Dead Ringers, the Cronenberg film on the 2nd of July. So if you like me, watch the Amazon series and did a whole podcast about it, but have never seen the film it's based on, uh, you can see it in the cinema in a few weeks. Cool. Good tip. All right, but it's not just movies, TV, etc. that we've been consuming. We read too. We're, we're <laughs> deep, okay? We're smart and we know how to read. I might have only read Daddy Diaries <laughs> in the like a month before reading this book and that was an audio book. But, um, yeah, we're, we're getting literary, you know, and we've teased this on previous episodes because um, Jinxie and I were very excited to get a couple of copies of August Blue, the new Deborah Levy novel, all about piano prodigy virtuoso Elsa Anderson, who is a character in her 30s but grew up as a child prodigy of the piano. Um, and the book kind of takes place in the in the weeks and months after she walks off stage mid-performance at kind of a big, a big, I was about to say a big gig, <laughs> at a, a, a massive performance in Vienna. It's kind of the talk of the orchestral world. I never know if I'm using the right terms. I'm, I'm, I'm no tar. Okay. And the book follows her in the months afterwards as she goes from Athens to Paris, to London, all over Europe, crisscrossing the world. And at every point kind of coming, being confronted with a, a version of herself, a doppelganger, this woman who kind of strikes her you know, catches her eye first in Athens and then at different places around the world. And Elsa's inner monologue kind of is in dialogue with this woman, coming to expect her to appear and kind of um, coming to terms with like her identity and her success and what it means to like be a person kind of split in half, I guess, in the world. I think that is a perfect summary, BL. Yeah, and not just like split from split in half but also like this woman who is suddenly having to think about who she is outside of this career that was made for her as well because she was adopted very early on from a foster family uh, by this musician who kind of reared her to be this child prodigy essentially once she, once uh, we saw mm. the talent that she had that's established pretty early on that Arthur her mentor slash question mark father figure um, kind of spotted her talent at a young age, adopted her, trained her and kind of put her on stages around the world. Yeah. And look, this was your first Deborah Levy BL, which I was very excited by. What did you think? I really loved it. I, I really enjoyed it. And like you said, cause I think I told you after I started it and you were like, you're going to fly through it. And it's a really quick read. It's also, I think sometimes because my tastes in books can be sometimes quite, I don't know, like commercial, mainstream. I don't know. Not that Deborah Levy is in any way like not mainstream, but I think when I, the books that I really fly through are often like, I don't know, basic. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think there was like a little, maybe like an intellectual barrier for me where I was like, am I smart enough to read Deborah Levy? Am I smart? You know, is like last year when I was like, am I smart enough to get Olivia Lang <laughs> and I feel like they're kind of of a piece you know um maybe similar style similar kind of settings for their books I don't know maybe I'm just talking out of my butt here but um I really enjoyed it and I found it really like accessible not that that's the most important thing but like such a stylish book and also really like kind of just giving you a little nudge in the direction of of an idea or a story or a character and letting you really fill in the blanks yourself. Would you agree, Jinxie? Absolutely. And that is why I love her books so much. So this, I think, is her eighth novel. She's written so many recently, right? Yeah, yeah, she has. She's had like a number published um, in the last few years. But um, yes, yeah, so this is her eighth novel, but she's also written, I've mentioned it a number of times on C also, but I really, really love her, what she calls her living autobiography trilogy. It's kind of like 
autofiction-y memoirs of her in her like 40s and 50s and uh, dealing with um, her career, a divorce, her mum dying, like these major stages of her life. And they're so beautiful. They're quite slim. I think that they're like three of my favourite books published in the last 10 years or so. When the first one came out, I think it was 2013, I just... Like I bought it for everyone I knew because for Christmas because it was less like this is this is amazing, uh, and it's been really exciting to see her continue to write those memoirs. But I really love her fiction as well. Um, I've mentioned Hot Milk a number mm-hmm. of times and Swimming Home, both of those being adapted into films mm. at the moment. But yeah, August Blue, I yeah I ripped right through it. Um, I took it on a plane and. Was like this will be this will last, <laughs> and it got me from Melbourne to Singapore. Like, and then I had nothing left, um, and <laughs> I just had to watch some bad movies. But yeah, I, I just adore her like economical way of writing. Like, she describes a few things, like a couple of elements about like a scene or an outfit or the weather or a particular room that she's in, and. But it's not this kind of, it's never floral, mm. it's never overprescribed. Like the reader gets to fill in. It's okay. Top Chef's just having a moment in the background. It's all right. He really loves Deborah Levy. But yeah, she kind of, yeah, she sets the scene, she lets you fill it in, and everything has this quite complex or mysterious air mm. to it. Like there are so many layers to her sentences, even though they are often quite clipped or precise or something mm-hmm. about it I don't know like we've we've talked a lot about a few books in the last I don't know this year on the pod and I've really enjoyed them but this book and all of her writing I just really I don't know I just really connect with it in a particular way it reminds me a lot of Benani Yoshimoto's books I really love her her work I don't the later ones not as well translated but um the early ones maybe but yeah, there's just something kind of strange about yeah. them. There's like this strange quality to them. And they're Vicky Creeps, who we love. Uh, she is she was cast in Hot Milk. And in a recent interview, she talked about the strangeness and she said, it takes a courage as a woman to write, show or embody strangeness. Mm. And she's talking about how Deborah Levy writes her female mm. characters. And I, yeah, I really... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I just think that sums it up really, really well. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a strange little story, um, and I was trying to think about it because, like, a friend recently was saying, like, I don't really do like um, plot-driven books. I'm really into character-driven stories, and I was like, God, I've never really thought to like categorize the things that I enjoy, and like, I've, I've had that in mind when I read things recently, especially fiction. It's only been in the last few years that I've really read quite a lot of fiction. I was very memoir, essay collection, biographies before that. Um, and I was thinking about this and I was like, it's not character driven and it's not plot driven particularly. It's almost like observation driven. Like it sits somewhere in the middle where it's like there are lots of people and they're doing a lot of things, but it's not quite what it's about. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of plot mm. to it, but you can peel much of it away yeah. um, as yeah. well. It's not all about the, I don't know, like where things end mm-hmm. up or anything mm. like that. Uh, it's, I, you know, look, not to be too reductive, but it's really like the mood of the thing. It's like all my favourite, you know, pieces it's of vibes, cinema. It's vibes, like It evokes something. It's vibes, but like I think about her work and I think about a specific book like Swimming Home and I think about the emotion I have when I think about that book or these key scenes in it or the way she describes like the colour blue or the way she describes some shoes in um, one of her or the way she kind of talks about where she buys her mm, ice creams. Mm, you know, it's mm. like these details or the windows or mm. something um yeah the, I just I just really love her her work yeah especially the euro the euro summer of August blue Ooh. I gotta say I did have a little Perrier menth when Ooh. I was in Nice <laughs> <laughs> because I just read about it in the book and I was like well I, I should I should do this okay Elsa okay Elsa I, I'm a natural blue your hands are insured for a million dollars too <laughs> how did you know it's actually my legs but anyway I really loved, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the book. I had Anya Taylor-Joy in my head as I was, like, imagining ah. Elsa going about the world. I see it. Um, 
but also just like this this moment that the the book kind of follows her through where she's doesn't follow her through she's taking us through this time when she's like kind of stepped away from her career and kind of a big implosive moment and realizing it's kind of the the more you learn about her past the more it's kind of the first time she's had to confront herself in any meaningful way um and I kind of I pictured the character as kind of like this overgrown child a little bit like maybe a bit of arrested development like there there are scenes where she's like on a beach with someone who wants to have sex with her and my first response was like no she's a little girl (laughs) you know like she's she's kind of this this big baby um and like the double the idea of her doppelganger um you know for a lot of the book I was like is she really seeing anyone is this really another person because she's she's having this internal dialogue with this woman and I was like by the end I was kind of like I wonder if this woman represents like what her life would have been if she hadn't been a capital P prodigy if she had just been able to like be a woman um and didn't have to be like an obedient like performer for 30 years of her life yeah I, I really love the doppelganger situation in this book it's very like persona it's very vertigo I kept thinking of Kim Novak in like the trench in in vertigo like they both are wearing a green trench coat mm-hmm. in this book and I read somewhere that Deborah Levy was talking about like doppelgangers and how we don't see many female do- doppelgangers in literature you see them in film but she wanted to use that sort of trope but make it not sinister because the doppelganger is usually mm. really sinister, um, which I found, yeah, fascinating. Mm. And now it's like, now what? I, <laughs> I'm so sad. It's done. I was waiting for that book and now it's gone. Well, I've got so much Deborah to revisit now. Oof, I envy you. Maybe I'll just read them again. Like, I just love it. What's next on your reading list otherwise, Jinxie? What have you got? piled up at home okay i am still reading um the eleanor catton book because the deborah levy came through so i'm still (laughs) reading that um and really enjoying it i'm like halfway through things are heating up it's very good it's becoming very tense i love a tense kind of eco thriller lovely very night moves uh and the new emma klein is out i believe so i really need to read that what about you that's also on my list i've heard I've heard the hype. I'm doing an old Andy Cohen audiobook now that I've enjoyed Daddy Diaries. And I'm currently almost finished a short story collection from Emma Straub from years and years ago that I got as a gift recently. Um, but yeah, I think after that, I'm finally going to crack the secret history. Oh, that's so good. That's a poodle. It's, it's time. It's a literary poodle. Yeah. <laughs> I've, you had some sea also's? Yeah, I got a couple of sea also's for August Blue or for Deborah Levy, really. Really in that you should read her books and her Living Autobiography trilogy, but there are some really great pieces. Actually, one just came out like today, basically. It's a profile by Katie Waldman in The New Yorker called Deborah Levy's Search for a Major Female Character. But then friend of ours, Simran Hans, wrote a great profile for the New York Times of Deborah uh, that we'll link to. It's so good. It's so good. Mm. And then you mentioned Dear Olivia before, but Olivia Lang actually reviewed August Blue in The Guardian, so we can link to that as well. Uh, Deborah Levy's outfit in the photos in that New York Times profile, Mwah, so good. Do you understand look- why clothes are such a big part of the character descriptions? Yeah, she looks staunch, right? Yeah, she's fucking chic. Yeah, when little Edie is talking about staunch... That's what Deborah Levy's picking up on that. I love it. God, yeah, yeah. I feel like this is like a basic recommendation, but the idea of like a mirror self um, just reminded me of a film that I really loved um, that's kind of obvious, but Another Earth, the 2011 Brit Marling starring movie um, directed and written by Mike Kale. I think it's on Stan maybe in Australia, Um, but also thinking about Persona and the idea of like the nurse and the – patient um also just a see also for a see also for a book just made me think of um one of my favorite movies from recent years saint maud by rose glass which is i think rentable but you have to pay for it it is time for also also where we recommend some random things to each other and to you of course but mostly to each other uh what's your first one bl 
My first one is another Australian album that came out recently. It's Expired Candy by Body Type. They're a band from Sydney. Um, Adore them. Their first record came out last year. Last year? Yeah, I'm pretty sure last year. And they've already backed it up with another one. It's very pop punk forward I'm gonna say I saw them supporting Fontaine's DC which listeners of the pod will remember me saying I think it was the first time I said it was top five gigs of my life I think I've now said that about three different shows (laughs) you have I love it yeah and they all were at the forum so who knows but um yeah body type supported them sponsor us sponsor us forum I hype everything that you put on except what I saw on Saturday night we won't talk about it and I remember hearing some of the songs that are now on this record live for the first time and just like looking at my friend and being like oh this is a fucking hit um I think the song that uh I had that reaction to is holding on which is the album opener but I also really love miss the world it it gives me Lindsay Lohan's band and freaky friday energy wow 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 which for me is high praise it's out on poison city records shout out i've got a pod also uh it's the design files podcast but specifically the latest episode uh which is an interview with annie portelli who's the art director of the design files and she has been renovating a house in the suburbs of melbourne with her now husband who actually used to work with and he's a fantastic Mm. designer um but they've been renovating this old house but like really ripping it apart and doing absolutely everything themselves and annie and simon have been documenting it on instagram and i think tiktok but anyway after seeing this and she's got such great taste and so you're seeing all this kind of beauty happen it was great to hear her talk about the actual kind of guts of the thing and renovating. And I feel like if you have ever thought about renovating your own house or flat or whatever, or, you know, that's like a dream thing or you have already done it, this you need to listen to this because she just speaks so frankly about the financial situation of like the cost of goods going up so massively and the stress of those financial decisions and like the physical strains and like emotional strains. Um, Mm. and, but also like how lucky they are to be in this position, but like, would they do it ever again? Things like that. It's just Mm. not many people are very open about that kind of thing because it's like, well, you've outlaid all this money. You have to just be like, well, it's, great isn't it because I did this it it was really hard you know Mm. Um, worth it question mark yeah so it was really yeah just great to hear her uh, speak so candidly Uh, so that is the design files podcast I love that I look often at the photos from her last flat that she renovated with that like long terracotta bench top she's homemade terrazzo such good style yeah she does um, my next one is a steam also. It's my new ironing board. <laughs> Great. I'm 33 and have just bought my first ever ironing board, but it's not just any ironing board, okay? I don't have room in my apartment for the storage of a full-size folded up, you know, standing ironing board. So I was like, does a tabletop ironing board exist? Turns out, yes. Designed by Joseph Joseph, who along with OXO are like the best designed kitchen and homewares products available. Um, I got it on sale in the like recent Maya stock take sale. So it was a little bit more affordable, but it's like kind of an insane price for an ironing board. It's like a hundred and something dollars. I got it cheaper than that, but it is the pocket plus folding tabletop ironing board because I bought a, a really nice collared shirt. And after I dried it, it was all crinkly and horrible. And I just couldn't, couldn't deal with the fact that I was never going to have a crisp shirt again. Um, and so I shelled out for an iron and an ironing board for the first time in my adult life. And um, now I'm recommending it to you. That's good. I mean, I have a steamer, but I don't have an ironing board, but I've been thinking about it. You can borrow mine. It folds up. It looks like a little backpack and it has a little slot for your iron to sit in at the back of the ironing board once it's folded up. Cute. 
It's really cute. It looks like I could wear it and <laughs> travel with it. We can't all be Scarlett Johansson with a fold-down ironing board, can we? We can't. They don't make them like that anymore. <laughs> I forget we don't live in Ghost World yeah. sometimes. Um, I've got a flower also, BL. Uh, it's... I don't know if it's still going, but there are only three pieces up, but I really love them. It is the flower press column in World of Interiors, which is online. Uh, It's by flower historian, in quotes, uh, Olivia Meehan. And uh, she, she covers the whole scope of the histories of specific flowers. So she's covered spider chrysanthemums, cyclamens and snowdrops. And she explores each species through both literature and visual art and gives all these incredible Mm. like image references and historical references to the flower in the way it's been used. It's just great. I really love it. Wow. Wow. That sounds really up your alley. It is so up my alley. I know. It's like every time I talk about something about like standing stones or something, that's, this is on that level. Yeah, truly. (laughs) Your kooky Scottish stuff. (laughs) My last one has been on my list of also also's for many, many months. Um, But after a recent experience, it had to make it to the pod it's a dentist also. <laughs> I'm I'm recommending my dentist in Melbourne. It's very Melbourne in a north specific. Dr. Betty at North Carlton Dental is my fucking queen. I adore her. She has such an incredible what is it like it's not like bedside manner, like ch- chair side manner. She tells you when she's putting that moving chair upside down so you can prepare. She gives you lots of space for breaks if you need them. It's just the best place. I had to get a lot of dental work done in like from February 2020. But luckily now I'm mostly just going every six months for my check because I'm all good now. But I did have to get a filling last week. And as I learned during that time in 2020, I get very anxious at the dentist, which I didn't realize. So I now take a Valium en route to get a filling. And my filling that she scheduled 45 minutes for took 20 minutes because I was in and out of there. I laid down. She got to work. She said, this this filling's in a really tricky spot. It's right at the back of your mouth. It's right near your gums. Um, and then 20 minutes later, I was like, that was really fast. And she said, yeah, we kind of account for people moving around, but you just didn't move. So I just like corpsed at the dentist (laughs) for 20 minutes. I laid down and she was like, do you need a break? I was like, nah, keep going. I was fine. I had, I had a great time. I get so relaxed now. I just have to remember to breathe through my nose and I'm in and out. It's great. What's your last one, Jinxie? My last one is a listen also. It's an album that I didn't know I needed in my life until I was just randomly looking up Letitia Sadier the other day because I was like, when is she releasing a new solo album? Of course, she's from Stereolab, one of my favourite ever bands, uh, but she features on an album called What Will You Grow Now by Modern Cosmology. It's actually a collaboration between Letitia and this Brazilian group I had not heard of called Mombojo. I feel like it's not quite as good as her solo, The Trip, but if you have listened to that album too much and have listened to Stereolab too much, this is for you. Without wanting to sound too pretentious, it sounds like Music you'd hear at a really cute cafe in, like, Kyoto or something. (laughs) Is that the most pretentious thing I've ever said on the pod? No, it's not. No, because there are so many to choose from. I am aware. What's the, like, the the menth that you drank in Paris after reading Deborah Levy's (laughs) August Blue? I think it was a... (laughs) Okay, the Perrier menth. Okay. The, The Perrier menth. I loved both. I'm not judging. Sure, that's fine. I didn't have a Diablo Perrier menth, which is, like, Lemonade instead of a sparkling mineral water. Ooh! Cheek. Thanks for listening, as ever, to this episode. Please hop over to Apple Podcast and give us a little five-star review. A little, Leave us a little five stars and give us a review. We've had some new ones recently and, oh, my God, BL and I are just so 
fucking tickled every time it happens. We're blushing. We love we love our reviewers. I know it's not just Carol and Top Chef who listen. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and if you're not yet following us on Instagram, pop over there. We share all of our also's with links um, in the week after every episode. FYI, if you didn't know that already, and all the old ones are saved in our highlights as well, so you can go back and have a browse. Um, and thanks as always to Samuel Hodge for our original artwork, Harvey Sutherland for our theme song. If you're in LA and love our theme song and or Carly Rae Jepsen, you can see Harvey Sutherland live in August supporting the queen. Yeah. Or just imagine me hearing call me maybe as I (laughs) tune out to the world. Yeah. I hope the gig gives anesthesia vibes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, See you next week. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.